idea for all this really came from a dream? Yes, it did. Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is Jordan Maxwell. Jordan Maxwell continues as a preeminent researcher and independent scholar in the field of occult religious philosophy. His interest in these subjects began as far back as 1959. He served for three and a half years as the religious editor of Truth Seeker magazine, America's oldest free thought journal since 1873. His work exploring the hidden foundations of Western religions and secret societies creates enthusiastic responses from audiences around the world. He has conducted dozens of intensive seminars, hosted his own radio talk shows, guested on more than 600 radio shows, and written, produced, and appeared in numerous television shows and documentaries, including three two-hour specials for CBS, as well as the internationally acclaimed five-part ancient mystery series, all devoted to understanding ancient religions and their pervasive influence on world affairs today. His work on the subject of secret societies, both ancient and modern, and their symbology, has fascinated audiences around the world for decades. Jordan, welcome to Nox Mente. Well, thank you for allowing me to be here. Well, it's our Always pleasure. a pleasure. This is a, a great pleasure for us, Jordan. As I've already said, you're, you're one of the people brought me to on so many things and uh, how this world is run and occulted from us. So uh, again, thank you. This is, this is definitely an honor. Well, thank you for at least seeing that and acknowledging it. It's been a very difficult road to hoe by myself, but I'm almost 80 years old now and I'm very, very tired. I've been doing what I do for 60 years. And uh, and it's cost me a lot, but I really love what I do. If I could just be left alone to do it, and yes. I love doing what I do. But I have so many enemies. <clears throat> well, I just try and do the best I can given my circumstances. Yes, and I think finally that I think your work is starting to actually pay off because more and more people are starting to look around at the world and question the reality in which they've been brought into. And it's because of your voice and because of the deep work you've done. And uh, you're definitely an honored elder. And I hope that you get to see some dues come your way here in your elder years. Well, I appreciate that and thank you. I uh, I have always tried to say at the beginning of inter interview that I am not the world's foremost authority on anything. I'm just an ordinary man pursuing extraordinary knowledge. I was well, <laughs> fascinated as a child with with uh, mysteries and and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Secret societies. The, no, with <laughs> secrets, uh, with secrets. People lying through their teeth and lying and keeping secrets. And I've always been interested in secrets, the other side of the story. You know, no matter what you hear, yeah, you know, well, I want to hear the whole story, mm -hmm. the rest of it, and see both sides. And so, I've always been interested in how people keep secrets and play on on other people's ignorance. And so I, as a very young child, 
I, uh, I don't know if I ever told you my story about when I was a little kid, about eight years old. And oh, I no, a, please do. Say it again? Please do tell us. Well, I was about eight years old, and I was a Catholic, born and raised in a Catholic uh, family. And uh, <clears throat> we were told in the Catholic school, little kids were told that they were going to have a special church meeting a special church meeting for the children, and it's called Confirmation Theory. It's going to be a confirmation uh, uh, celebration where you are confirmed officially as a Catholic at nine years old <clears throat> or eight years old. And so the nun told us the day before, they said, tomorrow night, at church, the bishop is coming to town, and he will officiate over the over the service, <clears throat> and possibly, maybe not, but there's at least possible the bishop may ask you children after the service is over. He may ask you if there are any uh, questions that you have about your faith, and if that happens. And if that happens, you remember you have no questions whatsoever. You don't ask any questions. And so the next night at the confirmation service, everybody, every Catholic in town must have been there because the bishop came to town. So everybody was there. And after the service was over, the bishop did say to the children, if any of you children have any questions, I'll try and answer them for you about your religion. And so I stood up because I was arrogant. I wanted everybody to see who I was. And, and, and I said, yes, Bishop, I have a question. And everybody knew, all the kids knew, all the girls sat on one side of the, of the church and all the boys sat on the other. And, and all the kids knew you're not supposed to have any questions. That's why I stood up. I want to make sure everybody sees who I am. Tell me I can't have a question. My mother doesn't even tell me that. And so I asked the bishop, I said, my father works with torches like a welder. And once in a while, he'll let me hold a torch and play with it. So I know what a torch can do, and I know how dangerous they are. And so my question to you, bishop, if an angel were to appear to me, like they have in the Bible, to other people, if an angel will appear to me, could I burn the angel with a torch? Would it hurt him? And he said, no, of course not. I said, why not? And he said, well, because angels are spirits. You can't even see a spirit, much less burn one. And I said, why can't you burn a spirit? And he said, because you can't burn a spirit. You need something that is, that's flammable, flammable, like a wood or paper or plastic or something to burn but you can't burn a spirit. I mean, you can't even see a spirit. How are you going to burn it? There's nothing there to burn. And so I said, well, then why am I concerned about going to hell when my spirit will burn forever if you can't burn a spirit? And everybody looked at each other like, <laughs> you know, like a deer in the headlights. Nobody had ever thought to ask a question like a little eight-year-old boy. Nobody ever thought about it. You just go along to get along and just believe whatever they're told. Me, I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. A spirit I know is an angel. You can't see them. Well, how are you going to burn them? There's nothing there to burn. It's just air. How are you going to burn a spirit? And so that's what, and so that's what 
<laughs> and so that's what the bishop said. You know, you can't burn a spirit. There's nothing to burn. I said, well, then why am I worried about going to hell when my spirit will burn forever if you can't burn a spirit? Well, after that, one of the priests close to me said, you sit down and shut up. So after that, I started dropping Alka-Seltzer in the holy water. <laughs> I had had enough. I knew, I knew from here on out, this whole thing is a bunch of bull. The whole thing is a man-made bull, and I'm not buying it. Bodies grew. Well, they couldn't help that. So their bodies grew, but their brains didn't. There's still a bunch of four-year-olds and five-year-olds out there in the world believing stuff like a little five, four, five-year-old and listening to the adults who are the priests, the police department, the government, the senators. You know, it's like the priests. They're listening to all the officials in the church and all the officials in government, and the officials don't have the faintest idea in the world what's going on. Nobody knows how to read. Nobody seems to think. And when nobody's thinking, nobody's going anywhere. And so right. I realized something's going on here. And this whole entire thing that I call the adult world is full with crap. Nobody seems to know what's going on. You can ask five different preachers from five different churches the same question and you get five totally different answers. That means there is no agreement among anybody. Nobody knows anything. They're not telling you anything. They're giving you at their opinion. And me, I'm not interested in your opinion. I forgot more than you will ever learn. I'm not interested in your opinion. <laughs> I want to know for sure. Prove it to me in front of everybody. Prove it to me. Because that's what I can do with my bullies. I can prove it to you because I go to the reference work. And I use logic and intellectual intelligence to explain my questions and why I believe what I do. Nobody else seems to do that. They just either bad, bad mouth you and call you names because they can't deal with what you're actually saying and what you're actually talking about. So I realized a long time ago that adults have no idea in the world what, what's going on. They're worse than children. So I'm not asking anybody to tell me nothing. I'm not asking anybody to explain nothing. I'm just going to devote my life to reading and researching all the things I'm interested in. Most people are not interested in secret society, mm -hmm. symbols, occult symbols and emblems that are used by government and religion and military. Why do you wear certain things uh, in the military? Why do you wear the same identical symbols that the Nazis use, that the communists use in Russia? You're using the same insignia, the identical same insignias Americans wear that the Soviets wear, that the Nazis wore, that the different military groups around the world, they all wear white gloves, that they're official white gloves. What's white gloves going on here? What's going on with white gloves? What, what's going on with all of these words and terms, everybody, all the different military organizations throughout the earth have generals and corporals and soldiers? Why are we all using the same words? Why are we all, and then it finally dawned on me, something is going on whereby the entire world is being militarized using the same words, the same terms, the same money, the same financing, 
the whole world is being militarized and kept stupid so that they can fight each other. And there's got to be some kind of an organized effort. And that's what brought me into the world of secret society. I know about the mafia. I know about Lucosa Nostra. Mm-hmm. I have been in the involved. I have been involved. I have been in the company of very high degree secret society members in organized crime. I was there. I saw it. So I understand now how it works. It's called organized crime. Yeah. Like like George Carlin says, it's a big club, and, and you're you not in it. it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I want to. Uh, Jordan, I want to take us back to the eight-year-old kid you were and get a little to the eight-year-old kid that you were that was questioning the Catholic, the priests at uh, at church. What, so this is where I want to go with this right now is idea into your head. How did you come about being a kid that questioned? I always question uh, because when I was a little kid, I would always, even in high, in junior high school, especially in high school, I would always go to church with everybody, all my friends that were in school. We all went to each other's church. We all hang out together, all the kids that knew each other. And I would go with my friends to their churches. And they'd come with me, you know, and they would go with everybody else into their churches. But I was going to church to find out answers to my question. I Mm. don't want to hear the beautiful music, the the chants and the candles and all of that. I understand it doesn't do a thing for me. I want answers, period. Uh, intellectually, I want to be satisfied with answers that I can understand and buy into. And I don't buy into anything I've heard so far in religion, period. God, oh, nobody knows how right I was. Because today I have discovered after some 60 years of studying theology and the science of God, I have discovered so many things about theology and religion that you have no idea that even exists because I was a radical, revolutionary thinking child. And I started inquiring about all kinds of things that I have found out now that are unbelievable. If you were to really do homework and spend some 60 years studying theology, it will blow your mind where things have come from. I'll give you a few examples later. But it, it, it appeared to me that nobody in the adult world knew what was going on. Anybody I would ask, my uncle, my dad's family, I'd ask my grandparents, nobody seemed to know what I was asking that was so ignorant. They didn't even know. They never even entertained such a question. And so... I realize that adults are not the place to go for answer because they don't know from zero. They don't know nothing. But why would you entertain them by asking them questions when you know they're just going to talk down to you and give you give you your their opinion? I don't want your opinion. You don't know what you're talking about. 
So I'm not interested in your opinion. I want somebody who can tell me the truth and prove it to me. So that's the way I grew up. I always grew up against society. I knew there was something wrong with the human race because we're all the adults seem to be wonderful as they were, sweet as they were, nice as they were to me. But adults do not seem to know their butt from a hole in the ground. They don't know what's going on. Nobody's ever told them anything. They've never asked for proof on anything. They don't understand science. They don't understand astronomy. They have no idea what the sun is. They have no point, uh, no idea in the world how we got here, who we are, and where we're going when we die, and what is life. I mean, my, all the questions that a child could ask, I was asking very early in life, and it became finally obvious to me don't ask the adults. They don't know from nothing. Just do the, <laughs> do the research yourself and try and be kind and courteous to everybody and explain to them what they don't know. Let's so get that's a, what I wanted to do. Let's give a little background. Are you, did you have siblings? No. You're an only child. I, I, well, well, I did, yeah. I had my brother. My brother was a younger, eight years younger than me. He passed away a few years ago. So I have I, my younger brother, and I guess I influenced him because he started acting like me, started questioning everything because <laughs> that was the one. I influenced him in that. That's but, excellent. Uh, it sounds like you have a good good genes, though, if you're a question, if he also was able to open up his worldview and question. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about the the world you grew up in, say, do you have memories prior to being eight years old? And what what your life was before that as a very young I was I was born and raised in a city in the Gulf on the Gulf of Mexico in Florida, in northwest Florida, about sixty miles from the Alabama Florida state line in Pensacola. Oh and yeah. Pensacola yes. and Pensacola, whether you know anything about it or not. Pensacola was a hot spot for UFOs and alien activity. People were seeing extraterrestrials, and at night there was all kinds of strange lights in the sky and things landing and strange phenomena going on in the city. Do we you... had ghouls. We had a ghoul come into our town in Pensacola that was robbing graves and eating the bodies. And people don't want to talk about that, but I was there. I saw it. And so we had strange, strange other world monsters kind of thing, you know, ghouls, people who would actually dig up a grave and pull the body out and eat it and then leave it lay. <laughs> and that was something that we saw in my hometown. That's the kind of stuff we, we, we were living with. So... I grew up in that kind of a of an area where there were strange things happening. And when I was very little, I would pull my bed out next to my window in my bedroom so that I could look out at the stars at night. We had a screen window because the mosquitoes were horrible. But I would pull my window my bed up to the window so I could look out at the stars at night. And I would wake up in the middle of the night, and the moment I woke up, I saw someone at my at my window. And I'd jump up as a kid. I'd jump up quickly, open the, the window, the screen, 
and my dog was out there and he didn't say a word. He just sat there quietly. But I know there was somebody at my screen because I saw them just in a, a blink of an eye. So I had begun to have other world, what is called supernatural, but they're not supernatural. It's the wrong word. The word is preta, preternatural. Yes. Look it up in the dictionary. Preternatural means strange things that happen in this world that has nothing to do with human life. Yes. Strange things that do not make sense to anyone. They're called preternatural events. Well, I started having preternatural experiences, going out of my body, seeing alien heads at my window, seeing aliens and seeing ghosts and spirit creatures in my bedroom at night. And it frightened me. It was incredible. Things I was seeing, I was being able to see. And for some reason, I was being able to see things which other key people were not seeing. Do you still experience this today? Yes, I still see things today that other people would not believe if they had seen it themselves. And I try and tell them what I saw, and they look at me like I got three heads. So I don't talk to people. I don't talk to people any longer. I feel like Jackie Mason said, Jackie Mason said, when I talk to other people, I always end up talking to myself. <laughs> So now I'm just talking to <laughs> me. I'm not talking to anybody else. I cut out the middleman. Actually, Jordan, I saw Jackie Mason once. <laughs> Jordan, I'm there. interested in the ghoul. Will you tell us about the ghoul? Yes. We started back when I was about 15, 16 years old. One day, it was in the papers that a, a, a grave had been dug up at a, at a cemetery, a little... Mickey Mouse Little Cemetery on the outskirts of town, and a grave had been dug up with this young girl who had passed away, and her body was pulled out of the grave, pulled out of the casket, and drugged down the street and was eaten on. Part of her body was being eaten away. And yet when the, when the animal didn't, didn't need it anymore, it just dropped the body and left it, left it late. Well, believe me, that opened up a can of worms for the city of Pensacola because everybody heard about that, that somebody is digging up graves and eating the human bodies and leaving a drop on the, on the street. And the military, it was, a, it was a Navy town. Pensacola is the largest naval air station, in, I think, in the world, second largest in the whole world is a naval air station in Pensacola. Well, the military, right down from the Pensacola Naval Air Station, which is enormous, miles and miles of all kinds of off-the-wall technology going on there, there was a Marine base and an Army base. So it's a very militaristic area. And I grew up around the military. And so when that happened, the military jumped right in because anytime something would happen that, that was threatening the city, the military always sent their people in to help us, to, to help the city. They would send in their half tracks and their Marines, and everybody was on the street to protect the city. And we, we, uh, we were very, very happy for that, to have the military all around us. We felt better. And uh, my girlfriend, my, my, my cousin, girl, cousin, had a boyfriend who was a deputy sheriff at that moment. And so he would come over to uh, my aunt's house, and we'd go over to my aunt's house, 
and uh, where, the, where my cousin lived, and he would come over to see her, her boyfriend, and he was a deputy sheriff. And so he would tell us what's going on in the sheriff's department with these ghoul, with this ghoul. And so we couldn't wait to hear from him what's going on and what the, what the, you know, what are the police doing and what the military is doing. And so they finally decided one day, they decided to light up a cemetery, the old cemetery, an old one out, outside of town. And they, the military went in there before and they lit up in the trees all kinds of lights and ran wiring, hidden, hidden, uh, hidden the lighting so it wouldn't be obvious. And they put sharpshooters, military guys in the trees. And they and then they published a, uh, <clears throat> they waited till someone passed away. And the idea was the sheriff's, uh, deputy sheriff told us, my girlfriend's boyfriend said, my, my, my cousin's boyfriend said that they had decided, the Pensacola city had decided to set up this ghoul by when someone dies, he will be buried, the person will be buried at a particular cemetery where they've already got the lighting set up, the military is going to be there, they're going to wait for him, and whoever it is that shows up to dig up a grave is going to be the last time he's ever going to dig up anything. They're going to, they're going to come down on him like a, like, a, like a herd of turkeys. So they, <laughs> they, they set it up and set it up, and then they advertise it a paper. Some young person died, and so they they put it in the paper that the body was going to be buried at that cemetery. And so my dad and my uncle, who had been in the military, uh, I loved him. He was sensational. He would do anything. I loved him because he was questioning everything and would do anything because he had military background. And so my uncle told my dad, I hear they set this cemetery up. You want to go out and see what happens tonight? And my dad said, well, yeah, I suppose we could. So we were told by my cousin's boyfriend, if you go out there, do not go inside the cemetery because you're going to get wasted. If you go inside, they catch anything that's alive in that cemetery, and they're going to, and they're going to kill you. So don't go in the cemetery. But if you want to go out the outside and look in, Crawl in. Don't walk in. They'll see you. So crawl in. So we did that. About midnight, we crawled in to the cemetery, up to the gate, and up to the side, you know, up to the wall. And it was just slats so we could see through them. And all of a sudden, we waited about an hour or so, my uncle, my dad, and I laying there at the cemetery wall. And all of a sudden, the lights went on everywhere. Somebody flipped the switch. And the place lit up like a Christmas tree. And guns were going <laughs> off, and, and it was all kinds. It was like a Vietnam a war going on. And we waited to see what happened, and we didn't know what happened. But uh, what, what ultimately happened was the, the character, the guy was dug up the grave, and when the, and when the military felt it was ready, they opened up on him with the lights and fired on him from all around. And they've hit him so many times it didn't even bother him. Didn't oh, even wow. affect him at all. And he ran and jumped over the fence, which would be very high, but he just jumped it over the fence. 
and out to a swampy area outside of my city into the swampy area. And they lost him. Even the dogs couldn't keep up with him. Wow. And then about six weeks later, after the, after that was, uh, we heard about that on the news that they had opened up on him and all the military guys said, we hit him over and over and over again. But for some reason, it didn't bother him. And so I know that there are such things going on in this world. I know because yes. I was there. I've seen yes. things that other people have not seen. And I know what's going on on this earth and who's really out there. And I know about Bigfoot because I had a brush with Bigfoot. I've seen demons and devils and, and poltergeists and all kinds of strange things, phenomena that other people have not seen. And I so want to get to some of that, Jordan, but I want to get a little bit more background. Uh, this ghoul story is fascinating, and I am endlessly fascinated by ghouls, so I found that interesting for you to mention. That is go that's one for the books. What, so I want to take a minute here and find out about your state of dreaming. Were you a child that dreamed a lot and lucidity, and what do you think is going on with the aspect or that state of dreaming? Uh, you know, I never did uh, really get involved with dreams. For some reason, I just didn't. It, that was not a part of my lifestyle, was having strange dreams. I do have them, but it never was something I ever paid much attention to. I preferred the real legitimate things which were, which were recorded pictures, motion pictures, videos, uh, stuff of things which have happened, that there was no doubt that it happened, but there was no possible way for anyone to explain it. Uh, and I, I, I could tell you some stories that would knock you out, things which I have actually seen with my own eyes. So I know that on this earth, there are, there are life forms on this earth that you have never heard of before. You don't know anything about. And believe me, you don't want to know. There's some really strange creatures on this earth that you don't want to know that you live on the same earth with. I, that, I would like knows. that to be the focus, actually, about those creatures. I'm just trying to get a little bit of uh, some bricks for the foundation here. So also, so just to get an understanding of all this before we get into some of these creatures what about what's your understanding with what happens after we die yeah what's, what's going on with that yeah i know that's a very interesting question and of course i have to tell you i don't know because i haven't been there yet but i have heard all the experts that have traveled around the world giving lectures in many countries of the world giving lectures on my, on my experiences and what I have been given. But I've talked to so many uh, important people who have studied this subject of what happens to a human when they die. I don't know because I haven't been there yet. But what I do know is that there can be a big misconception as to how things work when you die. We know that the phenomena, the idea that uh, that uh, reincarnation is real. We know that it's real. There's no doubt about that. The only problem that science today is dealing with is how do you explain it? 
what is the explanation? Because we know that there are people who have told us about their experiences when they lived 500,000 years ago. They lived 500 years ago or 700 years ago, and they tell you what they saw in, in minute detail, and then later on, science happens to do a dig somewhere and find out exactly what they said was happened. That's exactly what happened. Now, how did they know these things when nobody knew until they dug it up themselves? So science found it themselves. So the, to know that there's some people on this earth who can tell you things that happened a thousand years ago and what they were wearing and what happened and what, the, uh, what everyone else was wearing and how they lived. And then later on, science does a dig and we find out that's exactly right. That's precisely right what they said. How would they have known that? Well, the only way they could have known that is they were there. I say, no, no, there's another way they could have known. They don't have to be there. We know that we have the ability to record things. We call it videos and audio and video recorders, and we can do it in films like movies, and you can see brilliant movies of brilliant people who died many years ago but they're just alive as, as, as everybody else is on the screen. So we know how to record life form, and we know exactly what they were doing because we could see it. Well, the same thing is true in life. Maybe there were spirits, what we call ghosts, demons, jinns, uh, poltergeists, strange creatures, angels, devils, demons, whatever you want to call them. Maybe those spirit entities were there a thousand years ago, and they don't forget. And they have the ability to communicate with your brain because it's an electrical, it's an electrical computer. Your body as a battery and your brain as a computer, and maybe they are downloading into your computerized programming what they saw, what the demons saw, what the angels saw a thousand years ago, and they are talking through you. They're using your, your vocal cords. They're using you to talk to the world. And so they're having you tell the world that you saw this and you saw that, and be damned if it wasn't true. But it's not because you were there. It's because those spirits were there, and they're talking to the world through you and putting the ideas into your mind. So you know, if somebody is extremely accurate, it doesn't mean you, the person, was there. It could also mean that there were spiritual entities there, ones that the Christians would call angels, good angels, bad angels, demons, devils, poltergeists, jinns, whatever the different religions of the world want to call these spirit entities. They were there, not you, and they have put it into your mind to tell the people what you think you saw, but it wasn't you. And so I know that that's going on right now. So much is going on in this world where spirits are putting words into people's mouths yes. to mislead. Yes, I'm onto this possession thing. I wanna, I wanna look at. Do you think it's possible that through some of this, uh, some of these abilities, that some of this could get access through the act of dreaming while we are in a state of dreaming? Yeah, I think so, because I've seen too much of my own. 
And I know that we are nothing more than a walking computer. Your brain is a computer, your wiring system, we call your nervous system, is your wiring for the computer. And we have enough blood vessels in us to stretch for thousands of miles, we're told. And so our brains are a computer, our bodies are a biological battery, which feeds the computer. And we have something called Wi-Fi that we have developed in this world called Wi-Fi, whereby it's some kind of a technology where all the computers around can watch other different programs. Everybody's watching something different, but it's all coming from one central source of Wi-Fi. And I'm thinking about God as being a Wi-Fi, some kind of a central uh, audio-visual operation going on in the world of space out there when children talk about god god's out there i say well there's something out there i don't know what it is but something out there it's a hell of a lot smarter than we are and i've seen too much with my own eyes to know that our that our race of people our humans are being controlled from out there somebody is leading us and directing our evolving our destiny. Our destiny is being led by spirit in it. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And so that's why there are certain people who are just gifted, intelligently gifted, to be able to know things, to run governments, to set up international banking cartels, to control the flow of science, astronomy, all the esoteric orders of the world, all the secret societies operating. We call them mafia, la cosa nostra, secret societies, criminal organization. These people may be evil and horrible, but they're not stupid. They're brilliant in how they run the whole world in such a way that you live right in the middle of it and don't even see it. That's how they, good these people are. They, I agree, and I'm wondering if there is some way See, to me, there seems to be a tie-in here with when we go into the state of dreaming, when we go sleeping and our consciousness moves aside, wherever it goes, how can, is it possible we're being accessed at that point? Where does our consciousness go when we go to sleep? When you go to sleep, Jordan, where do you go? Well, that's a, that's a heavy-duty question. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is that one time when I was about seven years old, I finally got into bed one night, and a few hours later, I woke up in my nightgown at seven years old. I woke up, and I was about four miles from my home on an overpass, on a bridge, overpassing all, all the train tracks coming into town or going under that overpass. And it was a large overpass, it was very high, and I woke up and from my sleep, and I was standing on this bridge, this concrete overpass, and it was freezing cold, and I was freezing. So I stood behind the big pylons to get away from the, from the wind chill factor. And I heard a car speeding, and it was in a little Mickey Mouse town. My little town back in 1959 was, I mean, 1940. When I was, when I was born, about 46, 47, 48. I was about seven or eight years old. My town was very small. 
and I could hear a car speeding, and I looked out from behind the pylons of the of the overpass of big of the big I beams. I was covering myself in the I beam because I was freezing cold. And I looked out, and I could see a car coming, and it was running all the lights. It was running red lights. But there's nobody in town anyway. The place is uh, sound asleep. And so this car was running red lights, and it started up the mountain, uh, up the hill, coming up toward me. As it come past me, I saw the two girls in the back seat. They waved at me. And the two boys in the front seat, and they waved, and as they went down, they went down the other side of the hill, I stood out, leaned out to look at them as they're going down, and they blew a tire. They blew a tire on the, on the, on the passenger side, and they lost control of the car, and I saw it skidding around, and it skidded into a parking lot, over the gravel of the parking lot, and skidded into the building, which was a, which was a coffee shop. And I had the, the presence of mind, even at that early age, I had the presence of mind to realize the severity of what I just saw. I knew what I was going to see if I went down there. I knew what had happened. And I ran out across the bridge to the other side and ran down. And I remember running down, screaming to myself, yelling to myself, don't trip, because I was going as fast as I could. And I realized if I trip, I'm going to scrape myself terrible because I'm running as fast as I can down this concrete on overpass. And I ran up to the restaurant, and it was flooded with, with glass, and it was horrible, frightening scene. And the, the car had smashed into the front of the restaurant, the coffee shop. And I was frightened to death as a child. And I remember running across the gravel because I was running on the concrete. And I ran down and I ran across the gravel. And halfway there, it dawned on me, I'm barefooted. And my feet were killing me uh, running on gravel. And my first thought was, you're, you're going to have to go, go on, keep going, because it's going to be the same distance to turn around and go back to the sidewalk. You might as well keep going. You can do one or the other. Keep going to help the people or turn around and go back to the sidewalk. And so I kept going. I ran into the front of this terrible accident, and I could see the people were bleeding and glass everywhere, and it was a horrible experience. And I, and I tried to mentally, even at that age, I tried to be very calm and look around to see who could I help and who can I not help. And do and go to help the ones that I could help, and so and and then when I I started looking around, I saw all the terrible tragedy, and I fright I, I I flipped out as a child. I couldn't handle it, and I started crying, and I woke up in bed at that moment. I woke up in bed and I was crying and frightened, and my parents came into my bedroom and I told them what I had seen, where I was, and what I had saw happen. And later on, the next day, we found out that what I had said happened did happen. And, and I was amazed that when I heard that, yes, there was a terrible wreck last night, four or five miles away, and I was there, I saw it. And yet, I'm trying to tell my parents, and nobody knew what I was talking about. I was there, I saw it. 
That's why I woke up in the bed crying. And so I, those kind of things happened to me quite a bit. I began going places. I did not know where I was going and why I was leaving my body. I began seeing things that other people did not see. I would be in the right place at the wrong time to see something unbelievable. And nobody saw it, and it just went on, and nobody saw it, nobody cared, went on with their life. But it really shook me up what I saw. And believe me, wow. I have had so many experiences like that. I've had a brush with Bigfoot. So when people talk about Bigfoot, I don't have any problem with that. I was there. I was in the, in the mountains of Washington State, just above Olympia, Washington, out in the middle of nowhere camping as a 19-year-old kid. And I come across something that I know was Bigfoot. And there were two other boys with me. We came across it. We will never forget what happened. Even that, a long time ago, we came across a Bigfoot. So when I hear people talking about them, I know. I don't yes. have to believe. I know I was there. Yes, Jordan, I had a, a Bigfoot experience. I live out here in the Pacific Northwest, and I also am with you. I know 100%, and it was not a fun experience, and I no. can't imagine it scared the hell out of me so me i want to get i want to get back to that this is astonishing that you were able to get that story when you were seven from being out of body essentially a remote viewing in a way do you, so those experiences while you were sleeping and you were out viewing stuff is this common in your life yes yes it is common in my life I have seen so many things that other people were there and they didn't see. They just happened to be turning the wrong way and looking the wrong way, and I saw something that happened right in front of me. And then I asked them, did you see that? No, what? I said, how could you have missed it? It was right here in front of us. No, nope, we didn't see anything. <laughs> so I just gave up. I just feel that it's something I'm supposed to see. Did yes. I ever tell you about my girlfriend that I met back in 1959? Yes, yes, you did. And um, before we get into some of that, I'm I'm interested again in what do you think is going on during a nightmare? So are these well, entities I'm, that I'm are coming to have a few. Yes. Are these uh, entities? Yeah, I've had a few. One, the worst nightmare I ever had was when I was about seven years old. I was in bed, all the lights were off, and I woke up and there were two eyes, glowing eyes. It might have been just lights from the street or something, but all I saw was two eyes and I went ballistic. I went ballistic because I felt, my spirit felt that there was some kind of a demonic depravity of an animal behind those eyes. And I started crying and screaming and jumping up in bed and screaming and yelling. And of course, <laughs> with the windows wide open, because it was a summer night, everybody in the block heard me. And everybody is awakened by me screaming as loud as I could. And my dad and mom come running in. My mother flipped on the light, reached in and flipped on the light before she came in. And when she flipped on that light, I did a totally berserk. I started screaming at her, don't come in this room. 
and she wouldn't come in. I kept screaming to my dad, don't come in this room. And they said, why? And I said, well, he's here. He's right there. I can feel a creature. I can feel something overwhelmingly evil right there by the door where my mother was standing. And I said, he's standing right next to you. Leave the room. Don't come in here. He's right here. And then he started, the entity started moving. I said, now he's moving over here to this side. Now he's over here on the left. Don't come in the room. He's standing right here. I could feel where he was. I didn't see him, but I could feel it. And it was an incredible, awesome feeling of something very evil and otherworldly in my bedroom. And I finally saw him. I finally felt him go out the wall. He walked, he left my room. And when he left my room, I collapsed on the bed. Only about seven or eight years old, I collapsed on the bed, and I was totally out of breath. I had given everything I could to yelling and screaming for my parents to stay out of the room, and I finally just collapsed. But I shall never forget the fear that was in that spirit entity that was in my room. There was no doubt about it. It was not of this world. Mm-hmm. It was an otherworldly fear or a fright of something horrible that, that you could not explain how horrible it was. It's just that you don't want to experience it yourself. You yes. will never forget it if it ever happened. Jordan, on, on this note, is there a way, are you able to tell who is being possessed? And are you able to give us... I have a sense of this, but I'm wondering, is there a way you can convey to others with this idea of these kind of the possession that's going on and it's amping up. I'm noticing it amping up. It's amping up big time. It certainly is. I'm not sure why you may know why, but is there a way, a clue in which you can look at someone or hear someone or see someone and know that they are, that their vessel, their body has been hijacked by something else? Yes. But the way I detect it is I feel it. It is said that women feel while men think. And this is why the world is so screwed up. Men are always trying to think how to do each other, militarily speaking. But women feel. So I know that, you know, there's always the joke that you have that feminine intuition. No, there is something to that. Women have the ability to feel something is wrong. They may not intellectually understand it, but they know it's there. And so that's the way I I react to people who are not of this world. I just feel it. I just know it. And something about them just tells me that there's not of this world. Don't fool with this person. Something's wrong with them. And I'm right every time. I know I'm right. I don't fool with them. What do you think is going on? Why is it amping? I think that it's been going on for a long, long time, for thousands and thousands of years. I think our history on this earth has never been told to the people of this world. People, I feel that our civilization on this earth is like a kindergarten, a worldwide, big, enormous kindergarten, 
with millions of little children, and it's being run by profoundly evil criminals at the top who can rape any child they want, steal anything they want, and do anything they please because they're far superior to you as a human. They use you to eat you. They use you to use your spirit to frighten you, to get you to do things they want done, but they themselves are not harmed. It's we humans that are being uh, manipulated into exploiting and being exploited into uh, being directed in our evolution. Somebody directing the human race, and we are so self-centered, egotistical, inexperienced, and dim-witted we don't know that. Somebody is, is divinely directing the evolution of our race. They are giving us knowledge and teaching us things every day, and we think it's because we're so smart. No, you're not that smart. We are being led into some kind of a catastrophe, which is coming on the earth, and it's been coming for a long, long time. And I've got too many examples of that, way too many examples of showing how we humans are being led by spirit in it. Uh, yeah, I know you have the examples. I'm wondering what do you th what is your hypothesis and where where this is going? I think that somebody, either one of two things, either someone has been here which is far, far superior than the human race. They have always been here for tens of thousands, if not millions of years ago. And they're the ones that have created all of the structures around the world, pyramids and temples in the ocean, pyramids in the Atlantic Ocean. A lot of people don't know that there's a pyramid on the floor of the Atlantic Ocean as big as the one in Egypt. And it's sitting out there in the Bahama Banks, just 10 miles north of Bimini a huge pyramid that they have found. and and uh, But nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to know. Like George Carlin said, nobody seems to know. Nobody seems to care. It's not important. And uh, of course, it's not important. Unless, of course, you're intelligent and you start to ask questions. What in the hell is going on with pyramids on the floor of the Atlantic Ocean? What's going on with that? Why hasn't our military government told us anything? Why is it the U.S. Navy is out there looking around and we've been chasing UFOs in the Bermuda Triangle? Why is it that Albert Einstein talked about the Bermuda Triangle and he believed there was something there? He said it was probably a portal to the Earth from other worlds. They come into our world through the Bermuda Triangle and go out the other way through the Devil's Triangle in the Pacific. But who listens to Albert Einstein? Most people don't even know who he is. I'm just amazed at how much the human family do not know about the world they live in. It's incredible, it's unbelievable how much is going on right now in this world in front of you, and most people are not aware at all. It doesn't bother them. Like Winston Churchill said, that he was quoted as saying that in the human family, there will be times when people will have something happen to them that will just knock them over. 
and they fall down. Something horrible happens that knocks them over. But they get up and they brush themselves off and <laughs> themselves up and go about their way and never think about it. Well, that's where I'm different. I think about it. I know when something horrible happens and I see it, there must be a reason. And I know there is. And so I know that most people don't see it. That's why the scripture has Jesus saying, you have eyes, but you do not see. You have ears, but you don't listen. And with your heart, you don't get the sense of it. You're well, watching do you think... things, but you're not smart enough to know what you're watching is not of this world, and you better find out what's going on with the world you live in, because when you die, you're going to be really surprised where you're going when you leave this world. This is this is a thing I think about a lot, and I and and ha I cannot help but think about how short the uh, genetic code is for humans at this time. Because when you live long enough, or when you experience stuff long enough, you start naturally questioning why you're on the daily grind. Well, why you you're would on think the you would, yeah. Well, but you think about how short most people's, you know, the, the lifespan really is. And so, they're shallow. People are shallow. Yes. They're not interested in thinking deeply about nothing. They're very, very shallow people. <clears throat> well, that's why things work. That's why the demonic world works. The occult world works because nobody is looking. Nobody's watching. Nobody's even thought about it. They just go have their beer and go out to the ball game and watch a football game and go to work and pay their bills. And it never occurred to them that anything different is going on. And then you think about, my God, if you only knew the things that I know, if you'd only been where I have been and seen what I have seen, you wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Well, th so this is this is something I I'm intrigued in is and why I'm mentioning the idea of a shortened lifespan, a hundred years or so, you know, yeah. a, a good one, uh, because eventually, even even the most shallow of person after so long is going to question why they're doing the same things every single day, and yeah, expecting a different result. Right, right. The the definition of crazy. And uh, so, so do you think in this modified experience with shortened lifespans that for people other than, than that question reality like yourself, is there a way to get out of this labyrinth? I would say no. I would say no, based on my opinion, my subjective opinion. It's just my opinion. Here I am, an adult, giving an opinion. I would say no. <laughs> I would say no, <clears throat> based on what I know and who I've talked to and what I've heard from all kinds of people around the world, military, from governmental people, religious leaders, I would say no, there is no hope. <clears throat> Most people don't want to hear that. They're so shallow, they want to hear that everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be okay. So all that bunch of bull that Jordan Maxwell's talking about, nothing to it, so don't worry about it. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you better, better be prepared for what's coming, because there's something coming on this earth you don't want to know about, but it's coming, and it's on its way. And one day soon, when it breaks out, and what was what's prophesied to come and what's coming, 
And you can see it already happening around the world. Strange things are beginning to happen. Have yes. never happened before. Yes. And, and so what's going on is you're going to find out you have no idea in the world who you really are and where you've actually come from. Where do we come from, Jordan? I think that we probably, we humans, have come from out there. We have been brought here. I mean, I, 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 I talk about this often. The first of all, first of all, I think the Bible has the real answer. I think the book of Genesis tells us something that if we understand as a metaphor, it's a strange encoded, and everybody's heard about Bible codes. Yeah, well, I think the whole Bible is a code. I think it's all encoded. And I know, because I've already talked to all the rabbis and all the rabbinical authorities about this, and I know that they know, the rabbis know, that there's nothing but codes all in the first five books of the Bible. It's all encoded. And you have no idea in the world <clears throat> what the Bible is actually saying. It does not say anything about God creating man. The Bible, I'm telling you, if you're listening, the Bible does not say in Genesis that God created man. It doesn't say that. Get that out of your mind. You misunderstood the words. Because the word man in Hebrew, and there is no Hebrew language, there's a Phoenician language. The Phoenicians were called Canaanites. And the Canaanites spoke a particular language called Phoenician. And so today, the Canaanites speak Phoenician language. But the Canaanites today, we call Hebrews. And they're speaking their language. Their Hebrew language is not Hebrew. They are Hebrew. But they're speaking Phoenician language. And so we get the word Phoenician, meaning giving us the word phonetics, phony. Phony and phonetics comes from Phoenician. And so when you look at the Bible, Genesis, the first chapter, the first couple of chapters, and, and understand it, going back to the Phoenician ancient Canaanite, it all becomes very clear what's really being said. And the church has misled people, wanting people to believe something that's not true. It doesn't say that in the Bible at all. And I had a very famous rabbi many years ago. I was very close friends with him. I helped him on many of his books, and he helped me on many things I was doing. We had a very close relationship, and he told me, this was back in 1960, a long time before Kennedy was even assassinated. This rabbi said, there's no place in the Old Testament, what you Christians call the Old Testament, there's no place in that Old Testament where God said he created man. It doesn't say that. Go back and do your homework and look at the language and read it again. Don't just believe something because some ignorant rabbi or some ignorant reverend in the church told you something he believed, because he had to get his license from the state. He had to have Caesar stamp his, his permit to be a minister before he could get a license to be a minister. So he had to have Caesar's okay. I don't need any Caesar okaying me. I know what I'm doing. 
I don't need Caesar to give me an okay that I can speak. My God gave me the right to speak. And I'm telling you that there is no place in the Old Testament that God said God created man. He did not create man. Why? Simple. Because man in the old Phoenician language, which we call Hebrew, the old Hebrew language, man is ish, I-S-H. Ish is man or men. And so in Genesis 1, when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, that's not the word for God is L, E-L is God in the Phoenician Canaanite language, L. And so you would expect that if you go back to the old Hebrew Bible and read Genesis 1-1, you would expect it to say, in the beginning, El created the heavens and the earth. It doesn't say El, and the word is not used, so it's not El. So when you read in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created, no, that's not God. El is, El is God. Well, what is the word used in Hebrew? Elohim, not El. It's a different word, Elohim. Elohim is like, uh, it's a plural to a word. So anything that has Elohim is a plural. It's like putting a comma and an S on the English word car. You have car or comma S cars, meaning more than one. That's what Elohim means. El, God, Elohim is a comma and s. So it should be correctly read, in the beginning, the gods created the heaven and the earth, not God. And so we're told that the Jews were the first monotheistic people. They were the first monotheistic, meaning they worship one God, monotheistic. The Jews were the first worshipers of one God. No, 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 you're wrong again. Go back and do your homework. Try and go back and take a, a course in school about English and look at the words and read it correctly. It doesn't say the Jews were monotheists. They were anything but monotheistic. They were the most different gods among the Hebrews, all kinds of gods. So the word is not monotheistic. It's heno, spell H-E-N-O. Look it up in the dictionary. Yeah. Henotheistic means picking one God from a group. So if there's, say, 16 gods standing in front of you, and you are asked, which one do you want to follow? And you say, I like that one. I like him. I want to follow him. And then he speaks up and says, all right, I will accept you as my follower, and I will be your God. Okay, and then you make an agreement. Okay, I'm going to only follow you. That's why in the book of the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments said, I am the Lord your God, and I will not have strange gods before me. Well, that's what a young man would say to the girl he's going to marry. I know there are other good-looking fellows out there and other good-looking young guys, but I don't want to catch you with any of them because I am jealous. I am the one that you made an arrangement with, and you agreed to go steady with me, and we're going to get married. So I know there are other young gods out there, young guys out there, but don't let me catch you messing around with them, because we have a deal together. And the same thing she would think, say to him, there are other beautiful women out there, 
but we got a deal. So don't let me catch you messing around. Why? Because I'm jealous. Well, that's what the Bible said. I am a jealous God. So don't go messing around with any of the other gods. There were 16 of them. And I know they're out there. So you're not the worshiper of one God. No, you are worshiper of the one you pick. Yes. The one God that you picked is the one God. Is so there... we could say that you are a worshiper of one God, but boy, there's a whole lot more. Is there, so with this, with what you just said and the stuff that is, um, that we agree with that's in the Bible, what is your perspective on the phenomenon known as Mandela effect or time slips? where the language and all this stuff, dimensional, whatever, there's something going on with these remembered timelines. As I said to you before, we humans, as a collective human civilization on the earth, all of us, all humans, we are being misled and deceived into following someone else's ideas about our natural evolution. So I say that evolution is not, the, is not the subject to study. Evolution is not important. It's intervention, which is really important. Not evolution, intervention. Somebody came here from out there long time ago, and they saw the indigenous creatures that were on this earth and we don't even know how they got here, the indigenous creature. Mm -hmm. But somebody came from out there and landed here on this earth and saw the indigenous creature that we call hominids. Science called them hominids. The hominids were like Neanderthal creatures. They were like animals, large animals, but they walked upright like we do. And they have male and female like us but they were called hominids, and they were like uh, Neanderthals. And so somebody came from out there, and I'm talking about hundreds of millions of years ago, hundreds of thousands or multiple millions of years ago, and they come down here a long time ago before you and your grandmother was even here. <laughs> and, they saw, and they saw these indigenous creatures that we call the hominids, the Neanderthal creatures of the old cave. Yes. And they said to themselves, wonder what it would be like if we cross-pollinated with one of the females. Let's put some of our DNA in her and cross-breed with her. Let's see what she gives birth to. Let's just give it a try and see what she gives birth to. So they put some of their DNA in the hominid female, and she ultimately gave birth to something which was not Neanderthal, which was not extraterrestrial, but was a clever combination of the two. It would look like a Neanderthal, but it was a hell of a, a lot smarter than Neanderthal. And, and not so, so hairy. Would, and then they would crossbreed with what she gave birth to, crossbreed with again, and it would perfect it even more. So now the next child came out, looked even more like the parents, the extraterrestrial. And then eventually, they did it again. It was just an experiment. They were playing around with us. They did it again, and eventually they gave birth to us, mm -hmm. what we look like today. That's why the Scripture says in Genesis 1.28 that God, no, 
Elohim, not God, the gods, in plural, said, the gods said, let us make Adam, not, not, it doesn't, if you go back to Genesis 118, 128, and the old Hebrew Bible, it does not say, let us come and make ish, I-S-H is man. So it says, come, let us make ish. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say ish. So it's not God made man. No, he made something different. He made something different than ish. Ish is what's already here. Man, Cro-Magnon man, the king man, Neanderthal man, cave man, always man, but nothing more than an ancient creature that was crawling on the earth on two feet like us, like Bigfoot. So this... And so therefore, we are nothing more than a crossbreeding of continual, perpetual crossbreeding with extraterrestrials by somebody higher than we are, somebody far, far smarter, a long time ago. In a, in a, how does uh, George Lucas say it? Far, long, far away. In a, a long time ago. Far, far away. Yeah. yeah. That correlates so, with the like the Anunnaki story, the Sitchin stuff. That's exactly right. So I was in business with, with Zechariah Sitchin. I'm aware of that. I gave him a large sum of money to sign a contract with me, and we were actually in business. And therefore, he and I had many times we went together in hotels and traveling around the country, his speaking engagements, and I went with him because I was his business partner. And we talked about a lot of things that people have no idea in the world about Zacharias. I can tell you personal stories I know about him. I've seen him do, and I know what he knows. And it was an extraordinary adventure being in business with Zacharias Sitchin, but I was there. Yeah, I and, and, and so I'm just telling you that we today, as we are talking today, we are the offspring of the gods, the Elohim. That's why in 128, in the Hebrew, it says, Genesis 128, God said, come let us make man in our image after our likeness. It doesn't say that, come let us make ish. It's the word is not ish for man. It's A-D-M, a Hebrew word that we say, we put a double A in it make it Adam, A-D-A-L. No, not Adam, not man, not Ish or Adam. The Hebrew word is A-D-L. Go look it up in the Hebrew dictionary. Go look it up in the Hebrew Bible. And so what's being said in the Bible in Genesis 128, the gods, Elohim, said, come let us. I often wonder, who are you talking about, us? I thought this was God creating Adam and Eve. No, it's come let us. He's asking, whoever is talking is asking for an idea among others. Like, come let us go to a movie, or let's go to the beach, or let's go for dinner. Come let us do this, or come let us do that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's asking other people's opinion. And so the scripture says in Genesis 1.28, come let us make man, and the Christians say, see, there it is, Made, God made man. No, it doesn't say man. It's not the word ish. It's A-D-L. Yes. Not Adam. Not Adam. A-D-L. Well, what is A-D-M in Hebrew? Well, now it's about time you start asking that question. <laughs> about time you start wondering about that. 
What does ADL mean to a rabbi, someone who's trained in that language? And so the idea being is that God said, the gods, more than one, the plural, come let us make Adam in our image, after our likeness. So therefore, what, what we have been told is, is wrong. The God did not say, come let us make man. Come let us make Adam in our image, after our likeness. Yeah, let's put into her our productive seed, and let's see what she gives birth to. She'll give birth to what the Hebrews call Adam, not Adam, Adam. With well, let us see what she will give birth to. Come, let us make man, let us make Adam in our image, after our likeness. So mm -hmm. therefore, we look like the gods who created us. Do you which think means sorry. which means that maybe those extraterrestrials who come from out there are still out there, and if you go out there to their planets, wherever the hell they've come from, wherever these spirit entities have come from, there on their planet where they have come from, they look just like you. This right. is why when we hear people say, "Well, I was in the UFO." And with the extraterrestrials, and they look like men. They look like uh, you know handsome men, good-looking men. That's right, because that's what the extraterrestrials look like out there. They look like you. Why? Because you. They don't look like you. You look like them. Why? Because they intervened in your evolution, and and insinuated themselves into the female, and eventually brought about you. As above, so below. So I, I have a question. This has always bugged me. Do you think that they actually had sex with the monkeys, or was it genetic engineering? No, it's gen uh, genetic engineering of the Neanderthal, mm -hmm. not with monkeys. Nah, I'm sorry, Neanderthals. Neanderthals, <laughs> Neanderthals were not monkeys. I know, I know. I, I, that was my bad. The Neanderthals. I, so that's why today monkeys are still reproducing monkeys. Why? Because that's what monkeys do. They yes. don't reproduce. Yes. Right. Monkeys don't, chimps don't reproduce and give us beautiful blonde women. Not usually. No. I was, uh, <laughs> I was just watching something about Rh negative blood and noted, and I, I recall that Neanderthals they think had a was the source of that, and when they mated with Cro-Magnums, this, this is the scientific explanation. The when they interacted with the Cro-Magnums, where the Rh negative blood got into our supply into the Homo sapien population. Yeah. Well, as I told you before, our history on this earth has been totally covered up so that you will never know what the real story is. The you, gods you, who created us a long time ago, you look like them. Do you and think they, that anyone like, actually remembers or knows what the real story is anymore? Well, I don't think that there's going to be too many people in this earth who are going to know the real story. And the reason why is because nobody gives a damn. Yeah, true. There's only a handful of people who are intellectually superior enough to question the very validity of the story and begin to understand that the people who are leading our world, our leaders, our masters, who are the masters of our world, are not from here. 
And this is what Hollywood's been trying to tell you for years is that there's an extraterrestrial race that looks just like you. You look like you as human. And therefore, you are so self-centered, not you, but I'm just talking about the human race, is so self-centered, egotistical, ignorant, and ill-informed, unread, and downright dim-witted, we don't <laughs> even begin to understand that the extraterrestrials who are here and leading us look just like us, and we just go along to get along or whatever they say. Well, that's what the government says. You know, Adolf Hitler was doing this all while. Uh, He's the government. He represents the government. So he said, go out and kill all the Jews. That's what we have to do. We just have to follow the government. And I say, yeah, why don't you just crawl on your knees and follow the government into the pits of hell? Because you don't have the brains enough to know what's really going on here and who's really running the show on the earth. And I have had at least enough to find out that where we're being led, you don't want to know. But But we're going as a human family. You are not going to be very happy when you find out what's really going on. Jordan, what proof do we have that we're not, that we're actually alive, that we're not in some state of comatose (laughs) delusion? I asked that question. I asked that question when I was about 10 years old. I remember asking a teacher. We're talking about all the intelligent life on the, uh, on the around the earth, and I said, my question is, is there intelligent life on the earth anywhere? I mean, has anyone really thought about who we are as humans? We are a biological battery. That's why when you go to court, if you can't bail yourself out, bail yourself out, you will go into a cell. They'll right. put you into a cell, which we call a battery. Yeah. They put your body into a cell because you are a biological battery, and they're putting you into a cell. There's a whole world of how the world really works, what government is, what law is, commerce, religion, military-industrial complex. There is an, e- an enormous world of hidden symbols and words and terms and ideas and concepts that you've never heard before. If you ever really want to sit down and hear someone explain the world that actually exists here in front of you, it will shock you if you ever find out how this world actually works. I've said it so many times. And it well, you've done a great service by telling us that. Say that what- again. You've done a great service by exposing a lot of that, and and that stuff is out there for people to access. I'm I'm wondering about you've talked about the spiders in the past. About spiders? Yes. Um, I can't recall. Was yeah. It- when I when I first began to do this work, I began to see spiders. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That was really an experience. That's another one of those experiences that just I saw. And it was scared me to death. It frightened me beyond words until I realized what it was I was seeing and then I felt better about it. But I was in I was in Glendale, California, and I got a little small office. And I decided that I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Uh, <laughs> and my wife thought I was crazy. 
and uh, and she wanted nothing to do with me or anything I was doing because she thought I was totally crazy. And so I ended up living in my office in Glendale doing what I wanted to do. And um, it was quite an experience. And I have to say about my wife that she did do one thing for me. My wife did, did do one thing that was important for me. She brought religion into my life. Because before I met her, I didn't know what hell was. And so I realized that so many people do not know what I'm talking about. But I've seen it and I've had it explained to me in so many different ways. I pretty well have got a, a, a hold on what's going on on this earth. But I don't know how to adequately explain it so that people will understand what I'm trying to say. And so I've said to you before, I've said on, on radio many times before, if you own a two-story building and you want to put a lot of weight on the second floor, like automobiles or printing presses, whatever it is you're going to put on the second floor, if it's extremely heavy, you better go downstairs first with the building inspector, get on a ladder and remove the ceiling tiles on the first floor and go up and look at the foundation of that floor you're going to build on to see if it's gonna hold that kind of weight. So what you're doing is you're standing under the foundation you're going to build on. That's where we get the idea of understanding. You don't understand until you stand under the foundation of what you're dealing with. So when you hear about religion, if you don't know what you're talking about, you don't understand the word. You need to stand under the idea. And so that's why I tell people, you need to understand. Go down below the surface and look at where the words come from and begin to see how much you don't know. It's an incredible world we live in and we're not being told the truth. And that's what I'm trying to do is trying to wake my fellow man up to the fact that he's never been told the truth about anything. But Government, when you... It's religion, nothing. It's no one's obligation to tell us the truth, though. It, and still, I, I'm not the spider thing. I'm still fascinated about because you've mentioned it in the past. I, I've only heard it, I think, maybe once or twice. And you, there is something about the weaving with them. And if you could just weaving spiders come not here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I when I was doing my first research work. I got my own office in Glendale. Uh, I used to have a cot in my office where I'd sleep sometime. I'd fall asleep in the afternoon. And when I woke up one evening, I woke up and there was a big web connected to all four corners of the room. And there was a spider sitting in the middle of the web. And that scared me to death. Anything that's that big, a spider that big, would naturally scare you. And, and yet I knew, intellectually, I knew and understood this cannot be a spider. They don't make spiders this big in this world. This thing was enormous, covered my whole room. So I know it's not, it's not a real spider. It's a vision. I've been given a vision. And so I felt better after a few moments of thinking about it. And then as I was thinking about what I was looking at, the whole thing began to slowly but surely disappear. And a few seconds later, 
it was gone. So I realized it was just an apparition. My eyes were being given a vision. But I used to see that spider all the time in my office, all the time it would show up. If I would fall asleep, I'd wake up and there was a spider in my room. So I asked the Native Americans what they, what, what spider represented. And according to them, it was showing you that was a message that God is spinning a weaving and weaving a web for your life. God is weaving a web for your life. And you are being guided into some kind of a web. And But it's actually the God spirit that's doing it, putting you somewhere where it wants you to be. And so don't worry about it. Just go with the flow because one of my teachers many years ago said, if God is going to do something, you can't stop it. And if he's not going to do it, you can't make it. So since you can't cause it to happen or stop it, then why don't you just shut up and go with the flow and try and educate yourself and don't worry about what God's going to do. Worry about what you're going to do. <clears throat> and so that's what been my philosophy ever since. I don't question. I just do whatever it is I, I end up doing. But people will ask me, aren't you afraid that demons are leading you? No, not at all. Why? Because I don't feel that I'm doing anything evil. I feel what I'm doing is I'm trying to help my fellow man to educate themselves. I don't feel that I'm doing anything evil. I know if I'm doing something wrong, I'm not stupid. And I don't feel that I'm doing anything wrong. So I'm not being led into doing something evil by demons, no, I'm an educator. I'm an educator and a teacher, and I travel around the world wanting to help little children, help young people who are wanting to know, like I did when I was young. I wanted to know, but I couldn't find anybody who knew anything. So I have to get the education, and now I have to turn around and try and give back to the young people behind me what I was looking for. I was looking for real answers. Well, I've got some, if you're man enough for it. Like the, like the movie said, Tom Cruise said, uh, yeah, I'm looking for the truth. And the, and, the, and the officer said, you can't handle the truth. That's what I think is happening with the world today. I think the human race can't handle the, the real truth. And I understand why. It's because they're not prepared for it. And I understand that. And I tend to think it's probably true. You don't want to know the truth. You're not interested to know the truth. You just want to drink your beer and mm -hmm. pay your bills and watch your uh, watch your entertainment and your movies and go out your to football. the ball game. And uh, eventually, the truth is going to find you. Not you. You won't find it. It's going to find you. Mm -hmm. And it's going to wake you up to the world that you've never known before. And that's what I do. Well, that's why I, so I wanted to get back to where this is all going. We see clearly the amping up of whether it's warfare or not, the weather anomalies that are everywhere happening on a very large scale now. The crazy possessive possession uh, that we're noticing in in our political figures and public figures. And of course, there's always all that old Hollywood stuff and and uh, living under the state of uh, England and all this. Where is this going now, Jordan? What is going on? Because I am seeing clearly...
people are starting to question, if nothing else, that the earth is all of a sudden rumbling and jumbling and on fire and freezing and all that. Yeah, and I have people always telling me, I get people calling me when I'm doing radio and they'll say, well, you know, there's always a, a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And I say, yeah, stupid, it's a train coming. Yeah, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but you don't want to see it when it gets here because it's on its way. And whatever is coming for us on the earth, it's coming fast and it's moving quickly. And ultimately, I think what is going on on the earth is we are the new Atlantis. I know that we are intellectually provable that we in America are the new Roman Empire. Yes. And we have, and the Roman Empire was interested in doing one thing, and that's what Caesar, Caesar was referred to as the Pontifex Maximus. That was a Roman term that was devoted to Caesar. He was Pontifex Maximus, which means the great bridge builder. The great bridge builder was Pontifex Maximus. Well, that's what Rome was. It was a bridge builder. Because every time Rome would go out and conquer another country, it brought them into their empire. So he was building bridges to Middle East, building bridges to Eastern Europe. He was building bridges to Britannia. Caesar was building bridges all over the world to all the different people and bringing them into the empire. <clears throat> and so today, America is the Pontifex Maximus. We are building bridges to the whole world. We got something called the United Nation in New York. Why? Because Caesar ruled Britannia. When the Caesars and the Romans went into Britain, where did they set up shop? Where did they set up their government? Caesar's government was set up in York, England. York, England, I was there. I went through their castles. I saw all the big statues of Caesar. York, England was a center for political power for the Roman Empire in Brittany. And so today we have something called New York. It's in New England, New York. And New York is the empire state. Of course, it's the Roman Empire state. It's the state of the new Roman Empire. And like the Roman Empire, it fell in the fifth century. It's going to fall again. Our country is now collapsing around us, and we're going to experience something very, very evil and very terrible that's coming on this country. And it's going to be absolutely unbelievably bad. It's going to be terrible. That's my prophecy. Because I know that one half of this country is determined to destroy our country. The people want this country destroyed. The people who live here, they want to eat their steak dinners and drive their fancy cars and live in their beautiful home, but they hate this country. They hate everything <laughs> about it. Yeah, yep. <laughs> And so they say, get rid of the president, kill him, overthrow him. Why? Because he's making the country great again. He's bringing back the work and he's bringing back the money and causing people to go back to work and feeding the people. He's doing what he can to do the business of living. He's, he's conducting the business of government and he's damn good at doing it because he's done it before. He knows how to deal with powerful people and bring back 
the goodness that was America. Well, one half of this country don't want America brought back. They want it dead. They want to drive around their fancy cars and their new Mercedes and all their new cars and eat their steak dinners and lobster dinners and live in their beautiful hotels, but they hate this country. They want it all destroyed back to the dark ages. And that's why, and all if you go back to the encyclopedias, go back and look at the communist countries that were, uh, came to, into the world after the Soviet Union. When the Soviet Union came into play, it brought about world communism. And so all the communist countries were always referred to politically correctly as the People's Democratic Republic. We had the People's Democratic Republic of China, the People's Democratic Republic of Cuba, the People's Democratic Republic of North Korea. Everything was always the People's Democratic Republic of Communism. And there's nothing democratic, democratic about it. Democratic. That's why when you see a riot in the streets and they're turning over cars and burning buildings, we call it a riot. No, they call it a demonstration. Why? Because it's coming from the word demos. Demos in Greek means a mob. And so a demonstration is mob rule. When the mob is drunk and they're turning cars over and burning cars and busting windows and it's a riot, we call it a demonstration because they are democrats. The word democrat comes from the word democracy the People's Democratic Republic of China, the People's Democratic Republic. So what I'm saying is that the enemies of this country want this country destroyed because we are the biggest name on the block. And if you don't over, overthrow the biggest guy on the block, the whole block is not going to go along with you. They're going to go along with the people who have the money and who eat well. And so we are the people in America who have built one of the most powerful nations the world has ever seen. And that's why the communists want this country destroyed. They don't mind driving in new cars and making a lot of money and eating well and living well, and living high, but they hate this country. And today, I am totally convinced what we call the Democratic Party is actually the old Soviet Communist Party operating in America today. And so it's called Soviet communism in America today. Democratic. I, I agree. I agree. Democratic Republic. Yeah. And there's, there's basically two factions out there. There's the remnants of the Nazi party that came over in paperclip, Operation Paperclip. And then you've got the communists. And I think they've been battling internally in the government forever or since, the, since yeah, World no, War II. But let me tell you something. There's something behind Nazism and communism, both. There's a mutual power behind both of them. They are controlling both sides, communism mm -hmm. and Nazism. So authoritarianism, authoritarian. Yeah. It's all socialism, yeah. but it's, it's actually being orchestrated and, and run behind the scenes mm -hmm. by something that has been known for a long time that most people have never heard of. It's called the World Revolution Conspiracy, World Revolution Movement. Something, there's some kind of a very powerful organization we refer to as the WRL, World Revolution Movement. It's financed and organized out of London, 
and out of America. And America and London put together the Communist Party and the Nazi Party. It was both born here in America. And the, so banks the Rothschilds, of right? Financed both the Communists and the Nazis. Were both financed by American banks, British bankers. There's a reason for those way this thing works. And most people are not sharp enough to pick it up and find out how this world is really being run behind the scenes by England and America. Both are financing, organizing, and directing Marxism, communism, and Nazism. Both are being financed, organized, and directed by England and America. But most people don't know that because they're too ignorant, ill-informed, and they haven't got the faintest idea because the government doesn't tell them anything. They're not taught anything in school. I'm from the old school. I used to do all the research and reading many, many years ago. And you can't can anymore because it. the books have all disappeared. Say it again? You, you really can't research like that anymore because you can't go to a library and, and read books like you used to. It's all been digitized by Google. Yeah, I used to. I did so bad in school. There were no students worse than me. I was the worst student in school. I was always in trouble. Why? Not because I was looking to make trouble, because I was a radical thinker, and I asked questions. <laughs> Same for me. And like Albert yeah. Einstein Same asked his me. Albert Einstein asked his teacher once, "How come we got to come to school and we got to answer your question, but you don't have to answer my question? I'm smarter than you, and you can't answer my question. Well, I got to answer your questions, but you can't answer our question." Right. And that's what I felt. I got questions that nobody's here got brings up to even ask and even thought about. And so I don't want to be in this school. This is not school. This is a prison. And so when I would get out of school, I would get on my bike, and as fast as I could, I'd ride to my city library and sit there till it closed at night. My mom knew where I was. I'd go to the library every day and every evening on Saturdays and Sundays. I'd spend all my time at the library reading and studying, questioning everything, and reading and re researching everything so I at least would know what's going on. Even if nobody else gives a damn, at least I do. I care and I want to know. So today, so I, I finally got what I wanted. I finally know that I wanted to know, and now I got it. There you go. But now I wake up and find out that I'm living in a country and in a world today that nobody even knows what I'm talking about. Nobody. Let me ask a quick question for a listener here. Wanted, uh, someone wanted to know if you had an estimate of the IQ of the Elohim and if they worshipped any gods, God themselves. Yes, they don't worship gods. I have heard from people who are in the inside of the UFO phenomena and who have been talking to extraterrestrials and they are sufficiently intelligent people with the background and the, uh, and the um, background of information that I think that they're telling me the best they can. And they say that when they talk to the extraterrestrials, they ask them, are you what we humans call God and the extraterrestrials say, no, 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 no. We're not God. We're just smarter than you are. We've been around a hell of a lot longer than you have. Your Earth has only been around so many thousands of years. Hell, we've been around for millions. We forgot all of your silly nonsense a long time ago. We're sufficiently educated in our understanding of the universe to make you look like a fool. 
But no, we're not God. We're not God. We're just smarter than you are. And so it looks like they realize that there's a higher power. They understand what we're saying by using the word God. They know what we're talking about. Or, or they, they don't, don't know, know like we don't know. Yeah. It could be just a concept that we believe in. <laughs> well, I always say God is dog all backward. It, it is. So are they, Jordan, behind all of this, behind the governments and this yes. agenda? Yes. No doubt in my mind about that. Absolutely, yes. They are behind our whole world system of theology, military, banking, government, uh, the way we operate as a social arrangement, dividing peoples into different countries and different races and different nationalities. I think the extraterrestrials are behind the whole world of mankind. And they are the ones who look like humans, but they're not human. They just look human. They're far smarter than you ever even suspected they are. And they're not what you think they are. They're not human. They are leading you into some kind of a, of a destiny that you have no idea where you're being led into. So we just gobble it up because that's how ignorant we are. We gobble up the science. We gobble up the technology. We're going to use it ourselves. We're going to use it against our fellow man, never realizing, though, the stuff you're gobbling up of higher sources, those higher sources are not human. They're not from here. And they are misleading you and giving you knowledge and understanding and showing you technology, bringing you in, and sucking you into a system. And you're so ignorant, you just go along with it. You don't question anything. And it's just as well you don't question, because if you do question, you're going to get the hell beat out of you like I have. Mm -hmm. You're going to suffer. Oh, oh, a, a fate worse than death. If you start asking too many questions, because so the this... extraterrestrials know how to deal with you. If you're going to ask questions, they're going to make you wish you'd have never been born. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you on that. And this also would bring in the idea that there's really no difference between, say, some of these factions that seem in opposition, like the Jesuits and the Jews and all, all of that stuff. I will give you some clues that most people are not going to understand what I'm saying, but a word to the wise should, should be sufficient. I'll give you some clues. There is a connection that nobody has ever thought of, nobody has ever questioned, nobody's ever even thought to ask the question. But there is a very definite connection between the Jewish religion the Jewish people, and Germany. There's a very definite ancient occult connection behind the scenes that you don't know anything about that connects the German people in Germany with the Jewish religion and the Jewish people. Jews and Germans share a common ancestry, and it's really scary when you find out about it. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's something if you want to do some research, look up the connection between Judaism as a religion and the German people, because the ideas and concepts are identical. The Germans say they were a master race. 
And the Jews say, we are God's chosen people. We are a master race. We know God. And he is our God. And our God is the God of the whole universe. And we, uh, we ignorant, ill-informed, we think, oh, my goodness, Jews are worshipers of one God. No, it's the one you chose, bearhead, not the one God, because there is no one God. The earth is too big and religion's too big for one God. There's a lot of gods out there, a lot of stuff going on out there in space that you don't know anything about, but our government does. Space gods? Space, well, that, space yeah, magic? That's, that's the thing. How do we know that space is actually real, Jordan? I think that there is something to that question. Because I believe that there is some kind of an occult, and the word occult simply means hidden. So if you put your hand in your pocket, by dictionary definition, your hand is now an occult hand. Why? Because it's hidden in your pocket. And so the word occult means hidden. So when I say occult, I mean something that's hidden. And I think the world that we live in and the powers that be that governs our world are occult powers. They're hidden. The people who really run this planet, you have no idea in the world who they really are. You don't know anything about them. George Carlin said it best. It's a big club and you ain't in it. And you don't want to know who's running this world. You don't want to know how it really works. And see the thing that you could see if the gods would allow you to see it. That would frighten you to death if you were to see who's really behind the government you live under and where it's really going and where it's really coming from. Are we, are we food? Is it possible that we're some sort of life force uh, feeding something higher on the food chain? Yep, I think so. And we are now being fed and led into a cyber world where our brains are being removed so we don't need our brains anymore. Humans don't need to think. You just do what we tell you to do. And chase after your entertainment and your beer and your sex and chase the women and chase the men. Chase each other and go do what was natural. And so one day you'll find out who your masters really are, and they've been here a long time watching you. And they're manipulating us and bringing us as a human race. They are leading us into a new order of the world. It's on the back of the $1 bill, the pyramid with the all-seeing eye. I talked about that some 60 years ago. Right. And, but this is part of what I was interested in with the spider stuff and the analogy of uh of us being basically batteries i guess there's the matrix angle to that but being food for these others yeah i think so i think that's what we are i think we're food for them i'm sure that the reptilians exist i talked with david ike when i brought him here i brought david ike to america back in 1992 93 i brought david ike to america Nobody had ever heard of him here. I brought him here. I was working in San Diego. And I brought David Ike to America. I financed him to come over and stay with me. And then I got him to promote, I got other people to promote him. 
put him on radio, get him on the stage, send him around the world, <clears throat> pay him the trouble and do his thing. I got his books published for him. I did that for Zachariah Sitchin. I did it for David Icke. I did it for all kinds of people you know. I've done a lot of stuff behind the scenes to promote different people behind the scenes that you would know of if I told you, but it's not important. I'm just making my point that I have known these people for a long time, and I am totally sure that there is something to what David Icke talks about, about the reptile aliens that are here. There's no doubt in my mind he's right. They are here. He's got a... I have a reason for saying that. I have a reason for saying that because I know something most people don't know. Which so, is what? That you've seen reptilians? I haven't seen them, but I've seen the evidence that they were here. Yeah, cool. Uh, David's new book, by the way, is called The Trigger. I don't know if you... Say that again? David Icke's newest book is called The Trigger. And it's talk, it talks mainly about 9-11 and how, how that all came to be. And he d dives deep into the, the, um, the Sabbatean Frankists, which he claims is basically what people call Luciferianism today. Yeah, so well, that, of course, I, in the Bible, Lucifer in the Bible is in the, you'll find out about Lucifer. And Lucifer is in both the book of Isaiah and the Old Testament, where we come across the word Lucifer. And in the book of Revelation, the last chapter in the book of Revelation is Revelation 22 and 16. You look in the book of Revelation, the last chapter of the Bible, and the last page, it says, Revelation 22, 16 says, Jesus said, I am Lucifer. Now, most people can't handle that because they have no idea. They get all frightened to death. Jesus is Lucifer? What kind of a craziness is that? Well, it's crazy until you start studying the language and talking with the experts and looking at the etymology of the words and terms and concepts and what those words mean and how they came about and who first wrote those words. And what did they mean in the ancient world? Then you begin to see how Jesus is Lucifer. Lucifer is not the devil. Satan is the devil. Lucifer is the bringer of light, and that's right. what Jesus said. He is the light of the world. Right. I bring in the light. He's also Prometheus, or the Promethean energy archetype, whatever you want to call it. That is exactly right. A Prometheus idea mm -hmm. is man bringing light into the world, Prometheus. There's a whole world of knowledge that people just have never, never been told, and I'm tired of trying to because it's so big, it's so deep, and I know it because I have spent 60 years reading it and studying it and talking to all the experts. I've sat with the rabbis for hours on end in Los Angeles at the Weizenthal Center for Holocaust Studies. I've sat and talked with rabbis and rabbinical authorities and sat and talked with Masonic authorities, military. I have sat and, and talk with so many people, and that's the only thing I bring to the table. I'm not bringing to the table my brilliance because I'm so damn wonderful. I'm only telling you what I have learned from other people who are experts 
and I have by chance happened to be in their company and learning things from them. And so I would say at the end of our program that if you want to understand some of the things I'm talking about, it's all on my website. Go to my website, which is Jordan Maxwell Show. Don't forget the word show, S-H-O-W, because there are other websites out there on the web that do not belong to me, but are using my name. They use my name, but they don't belong to me. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com. When you go on my website, Jordan Maxwell Show, you will see another website that's being advertised. It's called Jordan Maxwell Research Society. And so if you want to go on that, you have to click on Jordan Maxwell Research and it will take you to where you have to join my research society. And on that research website, I have all of the video, audio, video, documents, pictures, white papers, research papers, uh, all the stuff I highly recommend that you know, the people I recommend you know, the websites I recommend all the research I've been doing over the years, I'm putting it all on my Research Society website. So go on my Jordan Maxwell show and click on Jordan Maxwell Research Society and join my Jordan Maxwell Research website, which is all the pictures and diagrams of all the stuff I've been talking about for the last two hours. It's all there. All you got to do is go and join it if you really want to know. Most people don't want to know. But if you really want to know, go on my research website. Our listeners definitely want to know. And, and Jordan. I put oh, the sorry. links to those, sorry, in the description. They'll also be in the show notes for the podcast. So everyone will have links. I thank just want to, I want to thank you personally. I, you, you're so wonderful and have done such great work. As I said in the beginning, this was, uh, beyond a great honor and i and i honor you and I, I again i'm hoping that you get more accolades and more fruits of your labor come to you at this stage in your life uh your sacred elder well i appreciate it and i thank you for it i live by myself at 80 years old by myself i have no i have no help I need a secretary. I need somebody who can take control of my life because I'm just losing control every day at 80 years old. I have to do all the thinking, all the con communication with producers, the radio shows, TV, all that. It's just very, very difficult for me at this point in my life to do anything. And it costs, it just takes everything out of me trying to keep up with my life and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, the way I'm doing it. Yeah, so you need a girl Friday. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I need a counsel, Terry. I need a counselor. Somebody yes. who is a who is a uh, a secretary who can take care of my life and the work I do each day, and keep it organized because I can't. I've just given up trying. It sounds like a good job for Suzanne. Say that again. No, it was a joke. We have a friend. I have a friend who probably do good. Do a good job for you. It's not a joke, actually. It's not it a joke, be, and it is a joke. Yeah, there, we know someone that would be perfect to help. <laughs> yeah, well, I wish I could find someone. Suzanne I'm living, Potter. I'm living in the northern part of Arizona, in Flagstaff, Arizona, in the mountains. And, uh, and I have 
I have my friends that I live with who have given me a place to live because I have no place to live. I would be sleeping under a bridge if it wasn't for my friends who have come and got me and brought me to northern Arizona and given me a room to live in a life and protected me. And I thank them for that. There's only so much they can do. Yeah. And it, so, well, just think it would have been a Roman bridge too that you'd slept under. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I do the best I can considering everything, and they do the best they can by giving me a room to live in. That's all I have is a little room that they let me live in. And my little office, which is actually the little office I'm in, is outside the house. It's a little uh, tool shed that's made over into an office for me. That's nice. And so my friends have given me a, a room to live in, a house to live in, and a little tool shed that they made into an office. It's very comfortable. And uh, it, it's wonderful. I appreciate the kindness of them doing all this for me. Well, you deserve it and much more. You, you, you definitely deserve to be well uh, cared for for your public service or 60 years of public service. This is a horrible, horrible tragedy. 60 years <laughs> of it's, trying to educate people who don't want to hear you. Not yes. Hear me. So many people don't want to to hear me. They're not interested in the truth. They want to believe what they want to believe. They don't yeah. want to believe what they don't want to believe. Well, that's that's the weird bias, and that's part of this cover-up that's gone on oh, that yeah. you've helped expose. Yep, you're right. But I can tell you some secrets about the human family I've discovered. Most people, not everyone, but most people want to eat what they want to eat. They don't want to eat what they don't want to eat. They want to wear what they wish to wear, not what they don't wish to wear. So if they've got money and they want to go eat, they will go where they want to go, not where you want them to go, mm -hmm. not to the restaurant you like. They will go where they like to get the food they want. And so they will financially put money into the company that will provide them of what they want to wear and what they want to eat the way they want it, not the way you want it. And so that's exactly what's going on today. People will support what they want to support. They will not support what they don't care about. And most people don't care about the kind of stuff I talk about, so nobody is sending any donation to me. And so I live on the Social Security a few hundred dollars a month. Social Security, and that's the only thing that keeps me alive. And uh, we got to get you a Patreon account or something. Well, probably something. I don't know. Uh -huh. It's just that I know that I don't ask for any help, and consequently, you don't get any help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, asking for money. Good, because you're not going to get any. <laughs> but we'll oh, see man. if we can. Uh, I just, I just depend the on the Great Spirit. That has led me all of my life. I depend on the spirit to protect and give me a place to live so I can do my work. And so, well, hopefully yeah. there someone hears this and can help out in any way they can, even if it's just ad administratively helping you out or something that, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know. Our podcast There's... goes out to dozens of listeners. 
I never know where I'm going to live next month. I never know where I'm going to live because I'm just here at the behest of a dear friend who give me a room to, to live in and gives me a little office to live in and, and they're very good friends. And so I just live from one day to the next, never knowing where I'm gonna live next month, next week. And as long as they are agreeable, I'll stay here. But I, I you know, wouldn't hurt my feelings if I got something uh, elsewhere because where I live is in the Northern part of the state of Arizona, which is very, very cold and at 80 years old, and it really affects me. Yeah. But you should I, check out uh, Georgia being, sometime. I appreciate being here and they're wonderful friends, and I will be here, I guess, continually until they've had enough of me and they'll let me know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jerry has a large house in Georgia. <laughs> Whatever. I do. Anyway, on that note, We'd like to thank you again for coming on the show. It's been a great conversation and a blast. Oh, quite all right. I really appreciate you inviting me. Oh, I'm always thrilled that you finally got to make it on the show. We've been going back and forth for so long. It's great. Oh, finally. I know. I know. Well, it's all good. We can always do it another time. We can always do it another time because I got so many different subjects we could talk about. We have another show that we do once a month, and maybe we'd have you back for that to talk about. Like, you pick one topic and just go. Hard. I'd like to, I'll tell you what I'd like to do is hmm. if I ever came back, I'd like to do a subject on how your government really works, how the world you live in actually, in point of fact, works not how you thought it worked, That's and bad. show the people how the whole world really worked. That's great. We'll do it next year, January, February. Probably, yeah. probably so. I will uh, definitely be in touch. So anyway, okay. thank you. Um, people, everyone, Jordan's links are in the, the show notes. And thank you, Nish. Thank you, Jordan. And just remember my website, jordanmaxwellshow.com. Right. Not Enjoy my research society, georgemaxwellresearchsociety.com, and go on my website and join, and you will see all the stuff I'm talking about. There's all the proof, pictures, diagrams, white papers, research papers, all my, everything I recommend. It's called recommended materials. I got all the materials I highly recommend you get and know about. And the people I think are magnificently important people. I put them on my website too, so you'll know who they are. And you can go on their name and click on their picture, and it takes you to their lectures and their website. And uh, I'm doing the best I can do to educate the most I can do. All right. All right, great. Be sure to tune in next week. We have uh, Leo Zagami coming on next week. Should be. Oh, yeah. Pretty good. I was you, on with him. I was on his show. Yeah, he's an interesting, yeah. interesting dude. So, anyway, thank you so much, everyone. Have a good night, and we'll see you next week.